evening. Thank you for coming. Uh, reminder that the rest of the week we're at 650-650 for Minchamarv. Please come, please come on time. Uh, continuing uh, in our discussion of three weeks, nine days, Shavuot Shechalbo. So this morning we mentioned, So it would be permissible for us to drink wine during the Shavuot Shechalbo. So uh, imagine Shabbat Chazon and... or like we have it this year, it's not yet Shabbat Chazon, whatever it is, but it's the middle of the Yishvua Shechalbo, and you're allowed to drink the wine from the Havdalah or Birkat Amazon. if we're benching over a coast of Yayin, so you would be allowed to drink it. Now, that probably sounds crazy, um, but it shouldn't, right? Because, uh, well, we'll talk about it in just one second. So the Ramah here says, We are Machmir, we're stringent, we say don't drink the wine, not by Birkat Amazon or by Havdalah. Instead, rather we give it to a young child, uh, and they will drink it. So we're still going to make Havdalah over a cup of wine, obviously, but uh, we're going to make sure that a young child drinks it. And if you don't have a young child nearby, so, or you do, but you don't want to wake them up at 10 o'clock or whatever time Shabbos was over last night, so then So then you would be able to go ahead and drink the, uh, the wine from the Havdalah. So what, what's going on here? What's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch? So why should you be able to drink it? So number one, it's, it's interesting to try to figure out when Chazal are creating these different Nihugei when they're trying to come up with these different warning practices. So were they going to try to uproot the way we perform a mitzvah? It seems strange. Like we understand why they would tell us, well, don't drink wine during the week because that's, uh, you know, it's going to make you happy, right? But the wine of Havdalah, that's just how you make Havdalah. So perhaps the Shulchan Aruch would say, go ahead, drink. Obviously, they never had that uh, in mind. Uh, possibility. The Ramah, he says, okay, but still, no again, Lachmir, if we can, if we can find a different way to fulfill our obligation of Havdalah without drinking that wine, so then go ahead and you could drink it. By the way, I think the Vilna Gohan points out, the other thing that we could say in regards to justifying the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch is that we're about to learn, God willing, we'll get to this tomorrow or the next day, right, that if we have a Sudat mitzvah, if we have a meal which is surrounding mitzvah, so you're allowed to drink wine. So this Havdalah is at least, right, something considerable, right? This guy, he learned for 15 minutes and made a siyam, we're all going to eat meat, right? But Havdalah can't drink the wine, right? It seems like a little bit strange. But fine, the Ramah says that we try to be machmir. The Aruch HaShulchan brings down a different opinion. He says, and I know we've talked about this in the past, instead, make Havdalah on beer, right? Because we know that we're allowed to make Havdalah on Hamar Medina, which I don't know the best way to translate it, and it's a big machlok among the poskim what exactly it is, but you can make Havdalah on beer. So you basically have three different opinions. You have the opinion of the Shechan Aruch says, just go ahead and drink the wine. You have the opinion of the Ramah, do the best you can to give it to a young child, and then you have the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan. What's normative practice? So you have different opinions among the, uh, the poskim. The reason why the opinion of the Ramah gets complicated, number one, is not everyone has a young child who's around, but also the Mishnah Bura points out that we can't just give it to any kid. He says, specifically, you give it to a tinok, someone, uh, a young child who has reached the age where we're training them in the performance of mitzvot. They should drink the majority of that cup. Maybe don't give them wine, right? It's a lot. Okay, whatever it is. So they have to old enough that they know what Havdalah is, and we're training them in that mitzvah, but not old enough that they're at the point where they're, uh, you know, they should, they should be mourning over the loss of Yerushalayim, the loss of the Batei HaMikdash, right? Because if they're already at that age, then we don't want them drinking the wine either. So you have to find this kid who's sort of in between. He knows what Havdalah is, but he can't get more and for uh, Yerushalayim, I don't know exactly what age that is, and he says, Okay, so this is a different point. He says, we would only allow for this kid to drink wine if it was for the purpose of mitzvah for Havdalah. So 
you're sort of in this weird in-between place that like you want to give it to a kid, but it's only a specific type of kid, and this is going to be obviously difficult to find. So I think at the end of the day, most posts can say it's probably best to just drink the wine uh, yourself. If you're Sephardi, I think that goes without saying. And even for most Ashkenazim, I think uh, a lot of the modern-day posts can say it's better to drink the wine yourself. Regarding this Mishnah though, really, really quickly, just because it relates to what we were talking about yesterday. So... Uh, that we have this when it comes to mourning over Yerushalayim. That seems a little bit uh, strange to us. Why is that? Because in general, the whole idea of chinuch, of training our children in performance of mitzvot, is that when they get older, we want them to be able to properly perform those mitzvot. When it comes to the ideas of avilut, of mourning, we're hoping that they're not going to have to be in mourning for much of their lives. So in general, we try to, not, not that we try not to, but we don't go out of our way to train our children in the performance of avilut, of mourning. So someone will argue, that's regular avilut, right? If, God forbid, a young child loses a parent or something tragic like that, so there they don't necessarily take on all the mourning practices that someone else would have. But here, this is an avilut of the rabim, of, you know, the entire Jewish people, so that maybe we do want to train them. Okay, possibility. Others suggest that, no, it's a little bit different. We have not just a uh, mourning on uh, Yerushalayim and Avelut, so on and so forth, but there's also an idea this time of year to have what's called Agmat Nefesh. It's just a time where we're in pain, right? We're, it's a time where we're uncomfortable. So good, let the kid be uncomfortable too, right? They can't eat meat and they can't drink wine. Oh, they're going to get really upset. Okay, good, we're all upset during this time of year. Okay, fine. So again, maybe... You have to figure out how old is the kid. He's old enough for Abdullah, not old enough. Okay, I don't know. It's difficult. But really, really quickly, and I know I ran out of time yesterday in the shira, so I don't know what makes me think I'm going to be able to cover the whole thing in five minutes now. But we tried to figure out yesterday what was the nature of the day of Tisha B'Av. We said on the one hand, it seems like it's a day of Avel, of mourning. On the other hand, it's possible it's a day of Tshuva, of repentance. Good, and we saw different opinions, specifically the Ritva, the Ran, the Tosva Yom Tov, that say explicitly that the fast of Tisha B'Av, maybe to the exclusion of other fasts, is a fast of mourning. It's a fast of mourning, so like we said, maybe we're not going to train the kid. But we saw other opinions, or Salvechik wanted to make such a claim within the Rambam, although he justified the other opinion within the Rambam as well, right? He says, no, there are two different mechayvim, two different reasons why a person has to engage in tshuva. Number one is if a person sins, chait is mechayv tshuva. If I sin, I have to engage in the repentance process. But number two, tsara. If I'm in a situation of distress, I also have to engage in tshuva. So he says our focus on all the terrible calamities that have befallen the Jewish people on Tisha B'Av, yes, we have to focus on that, but the goal is to get to the point of tshuva. So if it's a fast day of tshuva, so then all the things that we're doing leading up to it is a focus on not necessarily the morning. The morning is the hechi timsa. That's what allows us to get to the point of tshuva. We do certainly want to train our children in tshuva. So it's possible we would tell them, yeah, there is chinuch here because we want everyone to learn to repent. So it's all a different possibility. Um, you look, Rosh Shechter says that a, an important nafkamina would be how much are we going to hold our children, again, younger children, not at the age of bar mitzvah, but at the age of chinuch, how much are we going to hold them responsible for these different uh, mourning practices? So he says, if it's all about avilut, so maybe we shouldn't, right? Yeah, there's an opinion, right? It's tzara of the rabbim, agmas nefesh, okay. But certainly if it's a day of tshuva, we can understand why we would want to engage in the chinuch process even there as well. So uh, thank you for allowing. I know I ran out of time yesterday, but that was uh, something I wanted to get off my chest, so thank you.